0: Alright, welcome to H2O Church again. We're so glad you're here. If you're new, we're so uh, happy that you're here to worship with us. We look forward to meeting you. on Pastor Matt Pardee. So glad to have all you Spring Breakers back and such a blessing to worship. Isn't our band amazing? Thank you guys. Alright, so we are going through this series called the I Am Series, these seven statements that Jesus said I am the light of the world, I am all these other things that we're going to be going through, and today we're talking about Him being the light of the world in John 8 and John chapter 9. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time. When I was thinking about this uh, statement of uh, Jesus being the light of the world and Him Healing this man of blindness, which is what we're going to be talking about in John chapter 9. I was thinking about this situation just in last October when I had an eye injury. My wife and I traveled to Madison, Wisconsin. We were visiting Rob Warren and Ronnie Goble, one of our church plants there, to Madison. We were having a great weekend. And on the last day, we were getting ready to fly back home. And uh, my contacts were in my eyes, and they were really irritating my eyes. I thought, oh, no big deal. I was trying to put some saline. And the pain just kept escalating throughout the day where I was really just having trouble seeing. And we go to the airport, and this pain is just escalating for me. My eyes start swelling up. I can't really see. The pain level is like a 10, and I'm starting to freak out getting on this plane of like, what am I going to do? It was so bad that the, um, the paramedics came over, and I had this circle of paramedics around me in the airport. I'm sure the other people flying with me were probably like, man, I hope that guy's not getting on the airplane with us. And uh, these guys didn't have much to do for me. They just put a flashlight in my eyes and said, your eyes are irritated. It's like, yeah, thank you. I, I know that. And uh, it ended up that I was not able to fly. I took an Uber to the emergency room and uh, found out that I had corneal tears on my eyes, and there was bacteria growing in these corneal tears. It was like the most painful thing I've ever gone through. I was really worried about losing my sight, kind of paranoid about some permanent damage, and they said, you need to go home the next day. You need to get this taken care of so you don't have permanent damage, and I was so grateful that the doctors healed it up, And um, there's some medicines and steroids and antibiotics that it was able to be caught and helped. And the whole time just with these doctors and nurses that were helping me, I was just so thankful that my eyes were being restored back to new. And what we're going to see in this chapter, John chapter 9, such a huge example, a way bigger example than my experience of this man that was blind from birth, could never see. And Jesus comes along and heals him, and he is so filled with gratitude. His life is changed. And more importantly than him being physically healed and being able to see light for the first time in his life, there's now light in his heart. And he sees things spiritually in a different way. And that's really what the, what the, the premise of today is, is that Jesus wants to heal us. He has the power to help us. But more important than any kind of physical help that he gives us, he wants us to be able to see the light that he gives and the way that that illuminates things in our lives. So let's jump into this story. We're only going to read part of it. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 1, this interaction with this blind man. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here, Jesus says, in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. And others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. This man's life was changed. He had this amazing interaction with Jesus. And the big idea for today is that Jesus has the power to make blind people see. But more importantly, he can help those in darkness see the light of the truth. Jesus did this miracle. He did this physical healing so that you and I today would know He can bring light into our darkness. Yes, He can make us see the truth, which is more important than seeing the physical things in our life. He wants us to have our hearts enlightened. He wants to shed light into the dark places of our heart and help us see what's really true about Him. He says something similar in John 8, verses 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, Jesus loves you so much. God has an amazing plan for your life. He wants to help you. He wants you to see the things that you need to see in life. Not just the physical things, but the the truths of this gospel that he's presenting. He wants you to see that. He loves you and he wants to shed light on these things because it leads to life, it leads to something really good. And sometimes we have this darkness in ourselves, sometimes we see this darkness in this world. And it can confuse us, it can bring chaos, it can bring depression, it can bring a lack of hope, it can bring fear into our lives. And we have this opportunity to let Jesus you know, bring this light, bring these, these, this flame into this light and to show us this darkness that's there and just scare it away, take away the fear. You know, I was thinking about this, this thought of being afraid of the dark, I think of the times where you're helping your children not be afraid of the dark. If you're a parent, you probably have some experience with this. Even though you love your kids and you provide this safe environment for them, sometimes they're still afraid of the dark. And you're tucking them in at night, and you turn the light off, and maybe the door's a little too closed, and they just become afraid. And you tell them, hey, there's nothing here that's, that's not the same after we turn the lights off. It's the same. But when they experience that darkness, they start imagining that there's things that are there that aren't really there. And they become afraid. And things that they can kind of see with just a little bit of light become other things. And you try to comfort them and say, no, it's okay. And I remember one time uh, laying with Max, my youngest, and he was kind of having some some bad dreams and things. Hey, can you just lay here with me? And I laid down to comfort him. And I would just lay in there till he fell asleep so he would feel safe. And one night I was laying there, and I kind of looked under his crib, and I saw this little object under his bed, and I thought it was a mouse or something. So I became afraid. As I'm comforting him, I'm starting to see things and wonder, like, what is going on? And we also had some bats in our house during that time and i'm laying there trying to help him and i'm looking under getting scared like man what if that's a bat what if that's a mouse and i didn't want to freak him out so i'm just trying to like play it cool but my mind is going in the darkness and i'm thinking no maybe it's just something else finally he fell asleep and i poked it and it was just a rolled up sock it's like wow i've been laying here for like an hour afraid of a rolled up sock that's not good When you and I encounter darkness, we become afraid of things that we shouldn't be afraid of, and we need Jesus to come in and and share the light with us. I I think grown-ups can be afraid of the dark, and what I mean by that is when you and I don't see what we want to see, maybe we don't see enough into the future that we want to see, we become filled with fear. How are my children going to turn out? How is this thing going on in my life going to turn out? I can't see, God. I don't know where this is going. I can't see the path ahead, and I start getting afraid. How, are, how, how is this sin area going to work out? How are my finances going to work out? This relationship is not going well. I feel this darkness. I can't see, and I'm filled with fear. And Psalm twenty seven one one reminds us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And this verse reminds us, this is something that we've been meditating on a lot, this Psalm 27, is that the Lord is my light. He's going to show me as much as I need to see. He's going to scare away the darkness of what I need to do for my next step. I don't have to be filled with fear. I don't have to figure everything out. I just have to know He's my salvation. He's my light, and He is directing me. Pastor David C. Fisher did a teaching about this, Jesus being the light. And one of the points that he made, the quote that I'm going to put up that I thought was so good, is that God will not have a world full of darkness. That is not what God wants. He doesn't want any darkness in you, and He doesn't want any darkness in this world. And in this teaching, He talks about, isn't it profound that very early on in the story of God that's shared with us in the Scriptures in Genesis, what's the first thing that Jesus says in recorded Scripture? Let there be light. God wants to illuminate things in your life. He wants to bring clarity. He wants to scare away the darkness. He wants to bring light to this world and to our hearts and and just comfort us and show us what we need to do. It also says this in Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. As I think about this, I think about in the Old Testament times and during Jesus' time, when we think of the light of the world, we'll often think of like all these cool lights hanging up and maybe some stadium lights and all these big spotlights and colorful lights and a disco ball and who knows what else we might daydream about with lights. But when Jesus said, I am the light, this was the light for thousands and thousands of years. They had the sun, the moon and the stars, and when it was dark out, this was it. A flame. Maybe a candle. Maybe a torch. Maybe a, a, a lamp with some oil. And if you notice this, this would not eliminate, you know, this would not illuminate a hundred yards of a path. The lamp that they would carry on the path would maybe illuminate about four or five feet in front of them. And that was it. And Jesus said, I'm with you, I'm the light of the world, I'm illuminating this path for you, but you don't get to see way down the road, do you? Maybe you just get to see a few steps in front of you. And Jesus is helping us, he's walking us through that path to help us see where our next step is. But this desire to just know everything and see everything isn't always what God wants. Jesus is the light of the world. And He wants to bring light to dark places in us and dark places in others. This next point that I want to share is that this beautiful light that Jesus brings to our life so we can see things clearly, so we can understand things and know what He wants for us, it isn't just for you and I, but it's something that we're supposed to take to this world, to our families and our friends and our places of work. He wants to scare out the dark places out there too. And he wants to use us to do that. How can we be a light in this dark world? How are you and I going to do that? How can we be a light in a dark world when it seems like the darkness is going to win and the darkness is more powerful and we can lose hope and we can be scared? Maybe I'm not going to be able to shed light on other people's lives and help them. How are we going to do this? We realize were merely a reflection of him. And Axagoras was a philosopher and a scientist in about 500 BC. And this guy was way ahead of his time. He lived in Greece, he lived in, in Athens, Greece. and he just made all kinds of profound um, statements about all kinds of things, science and nutrition, and food, and the environment, and the, and the world around us. And again, he's just so far ahead of his time. And one of the things that Anaxagoras is famous for is that he was one of the first people that we see in recorded history to say that the moon does not give off its own light, but the moon is reflecting light from the sun. In one of his writings, he says this, The sun is a fiery rock. The moon does not shine with its own light, but receives its light from the sun. A pretty amazing and profound statement from someone that lived 500 B.C. Because it was so out of the ordinary, people considered him a heretic. And they mandated that he be put to death. And this philosopher and scientist that was right on the money and understanding these deep principles had to leave. He had to flee Athens to escape death because of what he said, even though so profound, was so unusual to the people of that time. they said, that's ridiculous. Obviously, look at the sun. It's giving off its own light. That's ridiculous that you would say that. But he was correct. It's only a reflection. And as much as the people of his time did not believe him and they did not understand that, we can be in this similar situation. Many people in our world that think they're giving off their own light. Maybe you think that. Maybe you think, man, I'm so talented. I am so amazing. I am a gift to this world. And everything good that I do in this world, that's me. That's me producing that light. That's me producing that. And we can be filled with pride. We can be filled with self-reliance that you think all the good things that are happening is because you're so great. And the Bible tells us, no. That is simply there to glorify your creator, to glorify God. And if you want to go out in the world and make a difference, You want to go out into the world and change it? You want to go out there and be a light to this world? You have to understand the source of that coming from God, and we are only simply reflecting it. And Jesus wants you to be that reflection. He told his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, you now, he's going to ascend into heaven. He said, now I'm, I'm passing this to you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light, a a lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and glorify who? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. So if God is making a difference in your life, if you have this relationship with Jesus... You're understanding that some of these amazing gifts and talents that He's put in you are beautiful, and they're amazing, and they're excellent, and He wants you to go out there and give glory to Him. The Bible says we don't cover that up. We don't light these lights right here and then just put a big bowl over it and cover it. That, that wouldn't make any sense at all. These lights to them on a hill were something so necessary a lighthouse that would give light to the, to the boats coming into the harbor. Surely you don't cover those up. And so you and I, as we go out and live our lives, we can't cover that up. We have to go out there and encourage people and love people and tell them about Jesus. And we have to tell them that all the good things in my life are from God. And He's the true light. There's a story about a guy in 1993 named Jennings Osborne, and he loved light. He loved light so much, he decorated his house like nobody else. And Jennings Osborne's uh, Christmas lights were so beautiful, so amazing. He put so much time and effort and money into it that people would come from all over to drive through this neighborhood to see Jennings Osborne's lights. He put up so many lights in his front yard and these 18-foot statues and things across his house that it was so overbearing that his neighbors sued him and said, this is terrible, this is too much. He had to bring in special power lines to... To make this all happen, because he just loved Christmas. He said, No, I have the freedom to do this, and I love Christmas, and I want to illuminate it, and I want people to come and see how beautiful this is, and really how beautiful God is, and how beautiful Christmas is. But he was opposed, he was sued. He lived in Little Rock, Arkansas, and in 1993, this court case went all the way to the Supreme Court in Arkansas. (laughs) to make this guy stop shining his lights. I could use words to do it, but I found a 50-second clip so you could just kind of, you know, you can imagine, but I just want you to kind of see this quick video about Jennings' lights. So here they are. property, does not it? He estimated he put up about 30,000 strands of light. It's amazing. Not your normal Christmas display, huh? Well, he lost the case. The neighbors won. The judge ruled against him, and he said, you're going to need to downsize a little. I think that's an interesting understatement. Need to downsize a little. And, you know, as we go out there to make something beautiful, to glorify Jesus and let our light shine. And this guy went nuts. You know, he he went crazy like, I just want everybody to see this. You're going to get opposition, too. There's going to be people in your life that don't think it's beautiful. They don't love it. They're going to reject you. They're going to say, dude, you need to downsize it. And all this Jesus stuff. Why do you talk about him? Why are you living in this way? And the world will try to put that flame out in you. And you and I just together need to push through that. We need to recognize that that's going to happen, that people aren't going to see what we see, and they're not going to appreciate it. And that's really what these Pharisees were going through in John 9. As we go back to that chapter, this beautiful thing happens, right? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I want to show you I'm the light of the world because I'm going to heal this blind man. He heals this blind man. He's so happy. He's so excited. They bring his parents in. They're bringing his family in. He's telling everybody, I don't know who this guy is, but, but he made me see. And he finds out it's Jesus. Then he starts calling him a prophet. He's starting to figure out who this is, and it's this amazing scene. But not everybody sees it that way. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the time, were threatened by Jesus, and they criticized him, and they criticized this blind man that had been healed, and they were negative toward it because they didn't understand the darkness in their own lives. And, you know, to be this light in the world, we need to admit the potential for our own darkness and blindness. You and I can be tempted to be like the Pharisees where we don't want to admit that we need this. Again, with that pride, with that, that haughtiness that comes in, we can be defensive and say, I can see everything. I don't need God I don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus to be the light in my life because I'm so amazing. And that self-dependency leads us to pride, and that's what was leading the Pharisees to pride. In John 9, verses 39, Jesus interacts with them, and he challenges them on this. He says, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see, that's the prideful ones, will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus says, if you were blind, humble, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. What a profound statement by Jesus. He's saying, if you would just admit your own blindness, that you need Jesus, that you can't see everything. You're not right in every argument. You are not all-knowing and all-seeing as much as we want to be. If we would admit in a humble place that we need the light of Jesus, we will be forgiven of our sins. That's the essence of the gospel, the humility. But these Pharisees, they claim they see, oh, we don't need that light. We get it all. He says, you're still guilty in your sins because you're in this place of denial. But this man understood it. He understood his physical blindness, and he understood his heart. And listen to this interaction he has with him as we close up here in John 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he had found him, this is when he found, Jesus finds the blind man. He says to him, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. This man got to see the Son of Man. He got to physically see the Messiah. He understood who Messiah was. He understood what was going on here. He didn't know that that was Jesus at the moment of his healing. But now Jesus tells him as clear as can be, do you believe in Messiah, the one that's going to come and die on the cross for your sins and forgive you of your sins, be the hope? And he says, who is he? And Jesus says, it's me. And the man says, I believe, and he worships. True vision and sight in our lives leads us to believe and worship Jesus. I'm going to pray and just ask that um, you would allow God to interact with you in that way. That we would really not just see with physical eyes, but again, the, the light in our heart would be illuminated to how much Jesus loves you, and he wants to scare away the darkness in your life. And that just wells us up with a thankfulness like this blind man, and say, man, I want to worship him. I am so thankful for the things that he shows me and sees me, sees in me, and I just want to walk in that, and I want to be a light to this world. Let's pray for that and ask God to speak to us as we worship together.